past. Welcome everybody to the second episode of the Batman Universe podcast. Uh, I want to start out by saying thanks to everybody who has been downloading and uploading to their mp3 players. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to the people. Uh, I've got people all over the United States. Also we've got people in Canada, Australia, Turkey, uh, Italy. So just wanted to give a little shout out to you know the people who my, my listeners. So, alright, well, what are we going to do today? Uh, basically, you know, we're, we're going to do the normal stuff, movie news, TV news, I got some book news, I also have uh, toy news this week, as well as we're going to review uh, Batman number 672, Detective Comics 840, Gotham Underground number 3, and we're going to do Forgotten Villain, and our topic of discussion today is going to be... Batman films that never made it to theaters. So, well, let's just jump right into it and start out with movie news. Uh, January 7th, Metro.co.uk talked to Maggie Gyllenhaal, who is replacing Katie Holmes as Rachel Dawes in The Dark Knight, and talked to her briefly about, you know, her role. And they asked her, is your Batman character damsel in distress? And she responded by saying, There are moments of that. Christopher Nolan, the director, would joke about how I had to resign myself to be to being a little bit of a damsel in distress, but he pushed me in other ways to make her a powerful character. I play a lawyer and have real relationships with the people I'm interacting with in the movie. She's a very smart and real rounded person. Of course, if you're the girl in Batman, you're going to be a damsel in distress to some extent, but she's a really great character. So many people I play are a mess. Rachel's really clear about what's important to her and unwilling to compromise her morals, which made a nice change. On January 9th, sites were reporting that a magazine called Climax was featuring a brand new photo from The Dark Knight on its cover. That on, well, that really turned out to be not so true. They just ended up photoshopping an image that appeared on the cover of Score back in June of 2005 saying that it was from the Dark Knight, which wasn't true. January 15th, the Los Angeles Times talked to the Dark Knight director Christopher Nolan, who says that Harvey Dent is a tragic figure and his story is the backbone of this film. Batman Begins Helmer also mentioned that the Joker played by Heath Ledger, sort of cuts through the film. He's got no story arc. He's just a force of nature tearing through. Heath has given an amazing performance in the role. It's really extraordinary. He added that you shouldn't expect a lot of laughs. It's a dark and complex story, and the villains are dark and complex as well. So basically, the Joker, they're not going to do an origin story like they did with Batman 1989. They're not going to do that at all. Basically, it's going to be... Strictly, kind of like a comic. You, you know, you, you open up a comic and suddenly the Joker's just there. They don't talk about how he's, how, or, well, pretty much any villain. When they, you know, for the most part, they don't go, in the comics, they don't take a villain and the first thing they say is how the guy got created. No. They started out by 
Batman's battling this guy. He's trying to capture him. And then maybe, you know, ten years later or something, then it'll turn into, they'll finally do the origin story. But they're not doing an origin story at all for the Joker. Harvey Dent, played by Aaron Eckhart, on the other hand, his is basically, like he said, is going to be the backbone of this film. And that's basically, that's his origin story. They're going to say how he got created. So that's that's the way I'm, I'm viewing that. Also, uh, one other thing I, I realized after I did the last episode was that I was just talking about the Dark Knight. And Batman is actually supposed to be in uh, the Warner Brothers movie Justice League. So I figured, well, I should probably mention something about that because, you know, if Batman's in it, that completely, you know, it goes right into the fact of Batman in movies. So so what's going on with the Justice League? Absolutely nothing right now. Uh, George Miller, the guy who directed Happy Feet, is supposed to be directing it. Um, but what's happening now is they wrote they they had a script written for it they're supposed to, they were supposed to start filming in Australia actually the last Tuesday and everyone was ready but what ended up happening was that they Warner Brothers put it on hold and they put it on hold for two reasons one of them was they claimed that they needed tax breaks from the Australian government to film the movie there as well as they need to get a rewrite of the script so because of the writer's strike that's going on right now the the rewrite for the script that's not going to happen so that was on hold and then a day after they reported that, that the that the Australian government came back by saying um, no it's not true we gave them tax breaks it's strictly because of this the script rewrite so as of right now that movie's on hold now the downfall that I feel with that movie is the fact that Christian Bale is not going to be playing Batman and they have a couple different reasons for that. One of them is that they don't want to... Well, number one, Christian Bale is not contracted for anything but Batman films. Uh, the second reason is that they wanted a younger audience. Now, if you watch Batman Begins, Batman's pretty much becoming Batman at the age that he's at right now. So, younger, I'm not really understanding that, but... I don't know. Another thing is they, they didn't want to confuse Justice League with Batman. They didn't want to make it seem like they're intertwining together, which I can understand to a point, but I just think Christian Bale does an excellent job as Batman, so I really think that he should be the person who's playing Batman. Warner Brothers obviously thinks different. Hopefully Justice League turns out to be a good movie and a good, good standalone movie by itself and doesn't screw up doesn't screw up what the uh, you know Christopher Nolan's got going with Batman right now because that would really be a downfall another thing is that another reason that I read online that Warner Brothers is kind of holding off on the Justice League right now is that the Justice League movie was supposed to be filmed this year and then supposed to be like the big DC Warner Brothers release next summer summer of 09 well one of the problems that Warner Brothers felt might occur was that the hype around Justice League might actually take away from some of the hype around the Dark Knight. Me, I don't really see that possible because there's just so much hype about the Dark Knight. Honestly, my opinion is that the Dark Knight's going to be the number one sum, uh, the number one movie of the summer, if not year, in box office revenue as well as 
just all in all everyone wants to see it and then my guess is that the movie's going if it if it ends up if it doesn't they don't move it up move up the release date like they did with Batman Begins and it actually is released on the 18th of July of you know this summer my guess is that it'll probably come out on DVD sometime I'm going to say mid October early November because that's basically the way like Transformers last year was released on the the 3rd of July then it ended up coming out you know the second week of October same thing with uh, Spider-Man 3. Spider-Man 3 came out in May, but it came in theaters. It came out in May, but then it was released on DVD in October as well. So, rough. also, if you go back to 2005, when Batman Begins was released in June, that movie, came, it came out on DVD in October too. So, roughly, you know, sometime, I'm, I, my prediction is that it's going to be released mid-October early November, just in time for everyone to scoop that thing up for holiday gifts, so, alright, well, let's go right into TV news, um, nothing really new to report, um, they still haven't aired any new episodes of the Batman on Warner Brothers, or on the WB Kids, um, but I did find out that the next episode is called The Attack of the Terrible Trio, which is amazing to me, because the villain that I was the forgotten villain of the first episode I did the terrible trio so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out it on the show so <clears throat> all right well let's go into book news um, there's only a couple new uh, releases that are coming out um, first episode I was doing releases way up until like May and I don't want to go that far ahead because then I might end up skipping something in the long run. So on the 30th of this month, January, uh, The Man Who Laughs. Now, The Man Who Laughs, most of you know The Man Who Laughs was a one-shot with the Joker and Batman. That came out in, like, uh, that was by uh, Ed Brudebaker and Doug Mankey. Now... That that itself is a great thing, but what they're going to do is they're going to take Batman Who Laughs, the one-shot, as well as Detective Comics 784 through 786, and include them all into a hardcover book that will be a total of 144 pages, and kind of like a trade paperback, but not many trade paperbacks are including one-shots nowadays. It's not really the, the, the normal thing that happens, but that's what they're going to do. It's going to be a hardcover book, and it's going to run about $19.99. And like I said, that's going to come out on the 30th of January. <clears throat> also, uh, alright, February 6th, we've got Batman False Faces by uh, Brian Vaughn, and that's going to collect Batman 588 through 590, Detective Comics 587, Wonder Woman 160 through 161 and Bathroom Bat oh jeez Batman Gotham City Secret Files and basically what this one is about this is this is basically your your full thread trade paperback except for they they include that Gotham Secret uh, Gotham City Secret Files and what they're gonna do is um. It basically what it's it's Bruce Wayne adopts the guy's 
of Match Matches Malone. And basically he infiltrates the Gotham Underworld and Matches ends up being shot and Batman has to determine what really happened and how for some reason Scarface is involved. And then also uh Batman also takes on the Mad Hatter and Wonder Woman and Donna Troy square off against Clayface. That's going to be 160 pages, and that's going to be a hardcore hardcover too, at 1999. So, all right. Well, uh, going to general news. Um, on January 8th, Toys Toy News International posted a photo of the Dark Knight toys, and one of them was Movie Master Dark Knight Batman hyper figure, which is basically. When Batman Begins came out, there was a 14-inch Batman, 14-inch Batman figure that came out, and it was basically, you know, kind of like, I don't want to say Barbie doll, but you know, an actual that kind of size figure, not your normal, you know, five-inch action figure. And they put a picture out of it, picture of it out online, and. It's made by Mattel. Mattel actually has the contract for all of the Batman Dark Knight toy figures and accessories and all that stuff. And they're they're saying that they're, they're going to expect a uh, pretty much the exact same kind of things as they had in Batman Begins. So they'll have like the utility belt and they'll have the Batmobile. But one of the other things they're going to do is um, the Bat Pod is going to be one of the vehicles they're going to put out too for the five-inch figures, or the, for the or for well, I guess they're going to be six inches for the six-inch figures. The Toy Fair is actually next month, so I'm sure there'll be a bunch of pictures of all the figures. But there's going to be six figures in total uh, with a, with a couple different versions of this of the figures. So I'm sure we'll see the Joker. I'm sure we'll see, obviously we'll see Batman. Um, it'll be interesting to see if we actually see Two-Face. I'm not sure. It almost seems like if they said we were going, if they were going to have Two-Face, it'd be interesting to see how, because we haven't had anything from, like, movie news-wise that Two-Face is actually going to make an appearance. So it'd be interesting to see if they just have, like, a Harvey Dent figure. Or if they do a Two-Face. That'd kind of be like a spoiler in itself if we end up seeing pictures from the Toy Fair of a Two-Face character. So, soon, I'm not exactly sure the day of the Toy Fair, but as soon as I find out if, uh, or I get any more pictures of that, I'll be sure to let everybody know about that. So, alright, well let's just jump right into comic reviews. Now, last time on episode one, um... We were, we, I was supposed to do Batman Confidential number 12 because it got released on the 19th of December. Now, I don't know what, what's going on exactly, but I never, I still haven't gotten my subscription for Batman Confidential for the last month, which was number 12. So I'm not real sure what's going on with that. So I still can't do a review on it. And I went to the comic book store this weekend to see if they had it. And they still don't have it. And I read a report online that because of the holidays, some of the shipping for subscriptions were backed up. But wouldn't what doesn't make any sense is that why wouldn't the comic book shops have it? Because that got released even before the holidays. So I don't know exactly what's going on with that comic. I did read online that for some reason 
Batman Th Confidential number 13 isn't even coming out in January. They're skipping a month and it's going to be in February. So maybe we're just, it's, we might be going into the same thing that they did with um, All-Star Batman Robin where some of the uh, the writers and the artists, uh, this stuff's kind of falling apart and they're having to skip a month. Who knows? If I find anything else out or if we get, if I finally get it before the next episode, we'll finally do the, the review for it. So, all right, well, on December 26th, Batman number 672 got released, and the, the title of it was called Space Medicine. So, all right, let me uh, read my review for that one. After the not-so-great ending in the Resurrection of Ra's al Ghul crossover issues, Batman gets, on, gets back on track this month with an issue which starts to bring some of the weird ideas that appeared in some of Morrison's or earlier stories. If we go back to one of... Morrison's best issue, best issues of recent, number 666, which presented a nightmarish version of the future Gotham City, which was terrorized by a demonic figure in a Batman costume. The character makes the character reappears, but it's in the present-day Gotham, who shows up at the court and demands to speak with Commissioner Vane. We don't find out much about the demonic Batman in this issue, but we do know that he is recognized by a policeman. He seems to know Mueller, the Bane-like Batman from several issues ago, and has links to an officer, Ferrelli, seeming that he may be the planner of all three attacks on Batman by very different versions of the hero. In addition to the main story, Morrison revisits his depiction of Bruce Wayne as the larger-than-life playboy billionaire who is dating another high-profile supermodel. It's a good shift since we've barely seen Bruce as, an acting, as acting in his civilian identity at all. It will be interesting to see whether the love potential, the potential love interest Jezebel Jett becomes a more permanent fixture because she seems to like, she seems to be a good match for Bruce even though there's a weird twist that our hero seems to be attracted to her because her father was murdered too. The art team provides visuals that which are crisp, clear, and make sense for the story. My only issue is that sometimes it seems that penciler Tony Daniel is trying too much to be like other artists rather than creating his own style. In some places he makes it look like Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns with the pages which we see a square drawn Batman swoop down in the light of the bat signal and a bat crash through the window. And obviously, if you follow comics, this is a little side note, but if you follow comics, that's like... Uh, the bat crashing through the window that's basically Frank Miller year one so but that 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 same kind of scene appears in the in in this comic okay so let's get back to it but you can tell by his visual style consistently changes and that may upset the flow of the story hopefully Daniel will be able to stay on the book long enough to maintain a consistency the issue's cliffhanger is that Gordon is shot by the demonic Batman from the future as well as Batman himself. The second to last page shows Bruce Wayne as Batman lying on the ground from the shot and, and, and a heart monitoring system going flat making you think that he could be dead which reminds me of a report by comic book resources from November that stated that DC was going to kill off Batman and one of the Robins would replace him this coming summer. Then another Batman lookalike appears on the rooftop of Gotham City Police Department, which is perfectly paced moment where you realize the lookalike is the Batmite. 
yet another alternative Batman, but has a modified look appearing much larger than previous storylines. How this story will continue is anyone's guess, but unlike many cliffhangers, there's enough of a good story here to make me interested. I give it 3.5 out of 5 stars. So, also on the 26th of December, Gotham Underground number 3. This series is good. The main character of the series has to be Gotham City, more than any specific hero, because it's about the, how the underground crime system works in a city like this. So to catch you up with everything that is going on, Batman, Batman is secretly in prison as matches Malone, Nightwing is undercover, Robin is with Oracle trying to figure out what is going on, a new player is moving in the crime circuit, and the Suicide Squad is recruiting villains that send them to Salvation Run. This is a book that really has a lot of storylines going on, going at the same time, but it works perfectly. It's great reading, you will really want to know what's going to occur in the next issue. Mr. Sazaz, who's that serial killer, I hope everybody knows who he is, attacks matches Malone in his cell at night, Scarecrow makes a successful escape from the Suicide Squad, and the truth behind Penguin starts to come to light. Also, Tobias Whale has a meeting with Penguin and is moving into Gotham's crime scene after being replaced in Metropolis, as Robin and Oracle are attacked by an invisible assailant, only to be revealed as a spoiler. I'm interested to see what where this is going to go from here. Nightwing continues his infiltration on the mob. The next issue can't come out soon enough. Great art and even better story. 4.5 out of 5. Just on a little side note, um, going back to what I was just saying about the spoiler. Now, how is that possible? And how, well, not, not, not so much how is it possible, but the spoiler coming back. Now, I would love to know what, what everybody thinks about that. Um, spoiler, does, does everybody think it's Stephanie Brown, you know, as a spoiler? Or is it somebody just in the spoiler's outfit? Or what is it? And the fact that she can go and visit, or, well, not she, but it, it as the spoiler, can go invisible. You know, because at one point, they're sitting in the Birds of Prey uh, headquarters, and Robin's sitting at the computer with Oracle, and they're going back and forth about, you know, what, what, why is Tobias Whale in Gotham? Why, where's Batman? How come they haven't heard from him? Um, they knew he went undercover as Magic Malone, but they have no idea that, he, that he's in jail right now. Um, and all of a sudden... Robin just gets punched in the face, and you look you look at the comic, and you're like, there's nobody even there to punch him in the face, and next thing you know, Babs is getting knocked out of her wheelchair because she's trying to activate the self, uh, not the self-destruct, the, I can't even remember what it was called, it was this, the self-something protective system, basically like the, some kind of system with a, within the headquarters that uh, gets... I can't even remember. I'm, I'm completely losing track of what I was saying. But then all of a sudden, Wildcat shows up, and Wildcat makes a punch at the the invisible person because Robin misses, and it ends up revealing that it's spoiler. So I'm really interested to see how that's going to play out because we haven't seen the spoilers since. Well, we saw it in a couple issues prior to, or after her death. But other than that, she hasn't been around. So it'll be interesting to see how exactly they're going to move along with this story. So I'm really looking forward to the next uh, issue that's coming out in a couple weeks, number four. So 
Alright, and finally, on January 2nd, Detective Comics number 840 came out. Uh, it was... Even though we all thought the resurrection of Ra's al Ghul was done with the last issue of Detective Comics, that was not completely true. Uh, this is the epilogue, so... Let's jump into my review on that. With the not-so-pleasant ending of Resurrection of Ra's al Ghul completed, Paul Dini deals with the aftermath from the return of Ra's al Ghul. I have to say that the whole idea of Ra's resurrection was a good idea and looked great, but it could have been executed better. The tone of the story changed depending on which writer wrote the series. It would have been better if they all sat down and came up with a better foundation to base their individual stories on. This issue of Detect Comics is different than the rest in this arc because it shines a new light on the resurrection of Ra's al Ghul's storyline, even though it's not even really part of it. The idea behind Ra's al Ghul using his son, the White Ghost's body, as his host actually brings a mental element into play. Batman is going after a new villain, the Globe, who, who collects, surprise, surprise, Globes. It just so happens that one of the Globes once belonged to Ra's al Ghul, and now Ra's wants it back. There's nothing complicated about this storyline, which makes it so that the story is completely is at the end of the issue. It is a good standalone issue by Dini, although without the resurrection of Ra's al Ghul's storyline. This story would not have made sense. Keeping with the last issue, Batman battles tons of ninjas. This story really gets Batman in his true form, the edgy Dark Knight. Raz return. I'm sorry. Raz threatens him, him by setting up his base in Gotham, and Batman goes on the hunt. Raz makes things personal for Batman, and now because they are related almost by blood, things become even more heated. Denny writes great dialogue as Batman goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with Roz and when Batman and Alfred dissect Roz's situation. The psychological and family issue element of the story makes makes of this story definitely makes more new Roz al Ghul stories open. By the end of the issue, Batman drugs Roz and puts him in Arkham. Great way not only to complete this, sto this story, but also introduce Roz's residency in Gotham, especially by the end line of the issue, Welcome to Gotham. The art is good. Dustin Nagoin's artwork has become less anime-styled since teaming up with Douglas Friedolf. They both do a good job capturing Denny's story as well as the action of the characters. This issue is probably the better part of what has come out due to the resurrection of Ra's al Ghul arc. It, it is the perfect ending without being the ending of the story arc. Denny did a great job to come back from the letdown last issue, and I hope that he returns to the animated series style that he is known for because it works. 3.5 out of 5 stars. So, well... Let's jump right into the forgotten villain of the day, or well, of the episode. Today we're going to do Humpty Dumpty. Uh, some of you may know Humpty Dumpty because he was brought back in, well, not brought back, but he was, Humpty Dumpty actually is a villain in two different storylines. Um, the Humpty Dumpty in Batman storyline was introduced in 2003 through the series Arkham Asylum Living Hell. Um, which that I that 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 series was basically all about Batman villains, similar to Gotham Underground in a way, uh, because Gotham Underground's more about the 
underground crime circuit through Goth Gotham that is re represented mostly by Goth uh, Batman villains, but is also got stories about, you know, Batman as matches Malone, as well as Nightwing trying to infiltrate the mob, and, you know, Robin, Oracle, that, that storyline too, so, um, basically, Humpty Dumpty, um, he's a villain that's fascinating with taking things apart and putting them back together, he would sneak out, his, his, uh, crimes that he was normally committing was he would sneak out late at night and disassemble and reassemble mechanical devices which had upset him in some way so for instance if he was pissed off because a traffic light wasn't full, wasn't turning green and it was staying red for a longer amount of time than the other light he would go out there at night and he'd switch that thing around uh his all of his knowledge uh, about all the mechanical workings that he knows comes from books that he borrows from the public library. Uh, but the problem with him is that he's not fixing devices in a way where it benefits people. He's fixing devices that's causing accidents. Uh, Humpty's final crime resulted in several various giant objects situated on Gotham's rooftops collapsing, collapsing into the streets, which inspired a law banning such devices. When Batgirl tried to apprehend him for this, he fell off the rooftop. She saved him, but dislocated her arms in the process. Humpty, being far from aggressive, promptly slipped her arm back into her sockets and surrendered himself to her. Revealing that she had tracked him by his overdue library withdrawals, her sole request was why he had withdrawn a book on human anatomy. Humpty uh, took her back to his home and revealed that he killed his abusive grandmother and hacked her apart, then attempted to sew her back together with a bootlace. It was likely this crime was resulted in his being sentenced at Arkham Asylum, because honestly, I don't think he would have gotten he would have gone to Arkham for the fact that he dropped or that you know that he screwed up some devices. He probably just would have went to jail for doing that. But the fact that his mental capacity thought that if he killed and took apart his his grandmother, he most likely would not. He, he and the fact that he thought he could put her back together, that right there, you know, screams psychological problems, which is very well known for getting treatment at Arkham. So he also, while he's at. Arkham, he's a model prisoner. He doesn't really do anything wrong. He's not trying to break out like everybody else. And he befriends uh, Warren White and saves Warren White from Death Rattle and Two-Face before Warren becomes Great White Shark, which, if you listen to the last episode, Great White Shark is the... Well, Warren White is the new Great White... or is the new shark within the Terrible Trio. Uh, he also... Oh, excuse me. Uh, while he's well, once he gets out of Arkham, he joins uh, Lex Luthor's society, and and that's shown in Villains United. So, um, Humpty Dumpty, it's just like the nursery rhyme goes. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. It's kind of just like that in the way where. 
Humpty is, you know, it, it's like that in a way where he wants to fix things, but the problem is he has uh, some kind of mental disability which keeps him to understand how things really should be. So, that's Humpty Dumpty. Now, like I said last time, if anybody has a villain that they want me to talk about, just email me, batmanuniversepodcast at yahoo.com. Or if you go to the Podomatic website that I have, which is batmanuniversepodcast.podomatic.com, you can leave me a message there or send me an email through there, through the, the Podomatic mail, and let me know what you you want me to talk about. Um, I, like I said, I'm up to any villain. Even if I don't know the villain, I'm still gonna I'm gonna do the research to figure it out so I can tell everybody else about him. Because I know there's plenty of people that I'm not that I'm not familiar with, and I'm pretty familiar with the Batman universe. But I also know that there's uh, ones that a lot of other people don't know. So if you want you want a villain that you can think of. I'll do a shout out, give you credit for the villain, and I'll do the research. Or, if, you know, if you want to do the research, that's fine by me. Less, less work for me. But if you know a villain, you read, you know, Batman 401 and Magpie, you want to know about Magpie and what's her story, I could do the research and find out, and then you can know. So, all right, let's jump into upcoming releases. January 24th, we've got. Gotham Underground number four, uh, January twenty fourth. Also, Superman, Batman number forty five, twenty uh, fourth. Also, Tangent Comics volume two, and a couple years ago, there was a bunch of one shots that came out for. Uh, they were they were kind of like Elseworlds, but they were written at they they named them as Tangent. It was more of like a futuristic kind of thing. And there was one for Nightwing, Joker, and Batman. And in this volume two of Tangent Comics, it's including Nightwing, Batman, and the Joker uh, one-shots into this volume. So that comes out the 24th, which is this Tuesday. Uh, the, on the 30th, we have Batman 673. And like I said earlier, we have the Batman, the man who laughs, that uh, trade paperback-like in a hardcover combining various issues all right let's jump right into topic of discussion um last time i said i was thinking about doing the batman serials and then as i was or throughout the week i was doing some research online i came across um well mostly on wikipedia i came across a like i i just happened actually i how this stemmed was, I was trying to do some research on Superman Batman, the movie. Uh, like I mentioned the last episode in I Am Legend, they had a billboard for it. So I tried to do a little research on it because I wanted to find out uh, the guy who is linked to it, the producer and writer, I wanted to find out how why it ended up failing. And when I did some research, uh, I got linked to a site or a, a page on Wikipedia called Superman Film Series. Read through it and came and found out that 
pretty much after Batman and Robin came out in 98 until Batman Begins came out, Warner Brothers is trying every which way possible to restart the Superman series and the Batman series, like, separately. Not together, obviously. And while they were trying to, like, pretty much jumpstart them, they wanted to... They were trying to figure out ways to do it. So, with Superman, I mean, the last Superman was, I can't, I don't remember the exact year, but I believe it was 82 or 84. And they wanted to jumpstart because of the popularity, especially, well, Superman's a whole other story. They actually were trying to jumpstart that way, way, way before Batman and Robin came out, but... During the time after Batman Robin and before Batman Begins, even though Batman Robin's complete Batman Robin uh, completely like failed in the box office, Warner Brothers still wanted to put out another Batman film. Um, so what they wanted to do was they wanted to take what happened in Batman and Robin and completely go in the reverse direction. They wanted to go not when I say reverse, and not backwards, where you know strictly get rid of Robin and start an origin story but go from the campiness that it was with the bat nipples and the cock pieces to more of a darker kind of gritty thing kind of like um kind of like Tim Burton uh more down down to earth uh darkness like that so uh it took about seven years to finally get the the fifth Batman movie greenlighted, but there was a there was various other there was various films that didn't that were a possibility but didn't end up making it. So I'm gonna just kind of go through all the films that didn't make it and the reasons why, and then how it ends up leading to Batman Begins. So the first one was called. Batman Triumphant, and Warner Brothers hired Mark Prosevich to write a script for the fifth Batman film titled Batman Triumphant, <clears throat> and that was that was even before the theatrical release of Batman and Robin. Joel Shoemaker, George Clooney, and Chris O'Donnell were all still contracted for another film, even before Batman and Robin, you know, did so poorly in the box office. And the basic plot was the Scarecrow was to be the main villain and he was supposed to use his fear gas and Scarecrow would cause Batman to confront his worst fear, which in this storyline they claimed that it would be the return of the Joker. Um, and Harley Quinn was in the script and she was shown as the daughter of Jack Nap Napier, which was the name of the Joker in... Batman 1989. Um, Triumphant was supposed to return the franchise to its darker roots, as seen in the Tim Burton films. Uh, the script never got leaked to the internet like some of the other ones that we'll, we'll talk about, so they don't know exactly whether or not Jack Nicholson would come back and actually play the Joker. Uh, but what ended up happening was, once Batman and Robin came into theaters and it did so poorly Triumphant was pretty much canceled because 
Warner Brothers was trying to figure out a way to go in, a, I guess, a different direction. I guess they didn't really want to go with Shoemaker or Clooney or O'Donnell, so they just completely canceled the idea of it and asked for more scripts to be written. So then in 98, there was Batman Dark Knight, which is D-A-R-K-N-I-G-H-T, all one word, and it's... It's not supposed to be like, you know, the Dark Knight, like this one is actually Batman Dark Knight. And it was supposed to also include the Scarecrow and as and also Man Bat as the new villains. With the studio more idea more they like the idea more of uh, Man Bat. So fear was supposed to be the initial theme, kinda of like Batman Begins, and Scarecrow was supposed to be the real source material for the the movie. So within three months, uh, Lee Shapiro and Stephen Wise, who were writing the script, gave their first draft to Warner Brothers. Shoemaker was still signed to direct, but he dropped out for unknown reasons only weeks after the first draft was completed. And the story was basically like this. And I'm telling you, when you hear some of the... When, like I, like I said earlier, uh, when I read some of this stuff off, you're going to be like, what the hell were they thinking? Uh, so let me know what you're thinking when I, about what I'm reading because I'm telling you, some of this stuff makes you think, what was Warner Brothers trying to do? Why would they even go in the direction like that? Like that? And then it really makes you like thank the Lord that Christopher Nolan came around. So this is basically what this story was about. Bruce Wayne is a self-imposed seclusion is is in self-imposed seclusion from life because he feels he has lost his greatest weapons in the fight against crime, his mystique and his enemy's fear. Dick Grayson attends Gotham University trying to discover who he is apart from his guardian and unwilling to return his Batman I'm sorry, un, unwilling to return his Robin without him. Meanwhile, Dr. Jonathan Crane uses his position as professor of psychology at Gotham University and is a resident psychiatrist at Arkham Asylum to conduct his experiments in fear. During a vengeful conf confrontation with colleague Dr. Kurt Langstrom, Crane's, Crane unknowingly initiates Kirk's transformation into the creature known as Manbat. The unsuspecting denizens of Gotham scream for Batman's head, believing the Man-Bat's Man nightly hunts to be the Dark Knight's bloodthirsty return to action. Bruce stones the cape and the cowl for one more, once more to clear his name and solve the mystery behind these attacks. Eventually, Dick ends up in Arkham Asylum under Crane's unsympathetic watch, and Kirk struggles with his man-verse-monster, similar to the Hulk, syndrome, as he longs to both reunite with his wife and get revenge on Crane. So, I'm reading that and I'm just thinking, first of all, why would Bruce Wayne ever go into seclusion? He would never do that. Uh, Dick Grayson going to Gotham University? Yeah, okay, that that's possible. Uh, Crane working at the university? I'm not really seeing that. Uh, although I do, the one thing I do like about this one is that I do like the idea of Man Bat. I think that's, I think that's, that, I, I think that would be kind of cool. 
Uh, I'm not real sure if I would necessarily agree completely with the man versus monster syndrome, you know, like the Hulk, because that itself could be a story, and that might end that might end up being like an overload of story just for one movie. So the script, uh, Warner Brothers ended up sitting on it, uh, and they were pretty much it was like in developmental hell for uh, about two years until late 2000. And basically, it was uh, Shapiro, Lee Shapiro, one of the writers, he stated that The Dark Knight was in the running as the longest, was in the running the longest as compared to most of these other uh, possibilities for a new Batman movie. But as we all know, it didn't end up happening. All right, in October 99, Ain't It Cool News reported that Warner Brothers was considering a live-action Batman Beyond movie based on the animated series. Uh, in January 2000, it was reported that Paul Dini and Alan Burnett, Burnett would be writing the script, both of whom were well-known for the works in the DC animated universe. Um, and Paul Dini, he's, he's currently the writer on Detective Comics right now, but we all know that he was... He's real, he was real big with um, the Justice League TV show and various other, you know, Batman Universe TV shows. And his writing skill, his his uh, writing is different than many other ones. So it would be kind of cool if he actually ended up writing it. Uh, it'd just be interesting to see how it all play out to be, you know, how they could play it out to go from. Batman and Robin to Batman Beyond, that'd be kind of a jump. And then how would you end up going back from that? That's the only issue. So, um, and then in two th August 2000, it was confirmed that Denny Burnett, Neil Stevenson, and Boaz Yakin were all to write the script, with Yakin to direct. Batman Beyond was to be the sequel to the Burton Shoemaker franchise, as well as taking a place in its own universe. And Jack Nicholson actually expressed <clears throat> expressed serious interest in returning as the Joker and even had his own ideas of how to bring the Joker back to life. The script was written by the writers, turned into Warner Brothers, and what ended up happening was the project was canceled in favor of the Batman Year One project, which I will talk about that in a little bit. So the next one was Batman vs. Superman, which that's kind of how this I got into finding out about all of these other ones. Um, it was supposed to be directed by Wolfgang Peterson. And I remember a couple years ago, well, this one was more than a couple years ago, but I remember years ago hearing about that there was kind of, it was actually kind of like I was hearing rumors the same way I'm hearing rumors about the Justice League now, about, oh, this could be a really great movie. Oh, this could be really good. And what ended up happening was it just completely fell through. And there was a bunch of different reasons why. It was supposed to start filming in February 2003. And it was supposed to come out the summer of 2004. But what ended up happening was it got canceled because Wolfgang Peterson left because he wanted to go direct Troy. There was other problems too. He didn't just leave because he was like, ah, oh, screw Batman versus Superman. I'd rather do Troy. It wasn't like that at all. He actually wanted to be the director. Uh, this movie, 
went as this one this one is you know despite Batman or the people the one the you know Lee Shapiro saying that the Dark Knight was the longest contending I think this one probably had the best contending because I actually heard about this one um, you know before we heard anything about Batman Begins I actually heard things about this so the film actually got greenlighted by Warner Brothers already had casting and it was already with it was already started pre-production and it was basically it was one of the films that the was the studio was trying to develop over the years on trying to get either a fifth Batman or Superman installment others were Tim Burton's Superman Lives Mick G's Superman origin story Batman Triumphant, Batman Dark Knight, Batman Beyond, and Batman Year One. Um, the script did get leaked online, though it's unsure if that was actually the script that was supposed to be the actual story or if it was just an early draft. Nonle uh, nonetheless, Warner Brothers still wants to do this and have said they want to do this many, many times, or they've said this numerous times that, and they've been quoted on it saying that they would still love to do a Batman vs. Superman movie. And basically, uh, as of September 07, Peterson says that he'd still love to direct it, and he really hopes that if it ends up getting done, Christian Bale will per, uh, portray Batman, which I think would be great. Um, Wolfgang Peterson, you know, he, he's he's very well known because he's well not well he's well known but he's a very well noted comic book fan and he really really wanted to do this and it kind of ended up falling through just because a bunch of different stupid things and at one point Christian Bale was actually in the running to play Batman you know way before Batman Begins came up so let me give you the basic storyline of it. The story begins five years after the death of Robin, with Bruce Wayne holding himself responsible. Unable to shake the demons out of his life, he gives up his crime-fighting career. He eventually marries a woman named Elizabeth Miller and continues his friendship with Clark Kent. The two know each other's secret identities as Clark is Bruce, Bruce's best man at his wedding, and Clark resides in Metropolis. He deals with bad luck, having been recently divorced by Lois Lane and having the public turn against Superman. The Joker, who was previously thought to be dead, kills Elizabeth at the honeymoon with a poison dart, as Bruce then loses his mind. He blames Clark because he previously saved the Joker from a fatal beating just before the murder. Bruce dons the cape and cowl once again to sh for the sheer will of revenge, while Clark goes into exile in Smallville. He eventually woos his first love, Lana Lang, and talks and tries to talk Bruce out of his vengeful ways, an act which ultimately pits the two heroes against each other. Eventually, it transpires that Superman and his nemesis, Lex Luthor, was behind the Joker's return, hoping that Batman and Superman would kill each other. Instead, the two heroes unite to defeat the Joker and Luther, Barbara Gordon and Harriet Cooper and the Toy Man all make cameos. Lois Lane is mentioned, though not given any screen time, while Commissioner Gordon and Alfred have both passed on, though Alfred remains his state as a hologram that Bruce built. Perry White and Jimmy Olsen aren't mentioned, whatever. 
Um, there was there's another there was another take. Um, there's that that was actually the second take of the Batman versus Superman movie. The first one was that. Um, this not the plot but basically the scenes between the, the Joker's present in it and the Joker it, they say that the bat, uh, the scenes between the Batman and the Joker is very killing jokeish like you know the killing joke the one shot uh they they didn't they had a lot of problems with giving Lois Lane uh Commissioner Gordon Alfred cameos uh but nobody really had a problem with that. And the storyline for this one was Lex Luthor takes over LexCorp after the death of his father. He then decides to create a mass market of machine men. And the way I read that is similar to I, like the, the creature, or not the creatures, but the robots in iRobot for expansive corporations. These machines of massive artificial beings and giant spiders turn out to be substantial. Thus, Luthor decides to take them to the World's Fair in Gotham City. Clark Kent and Lois Lane are sent to Gotham to cover the story while Bruce Wayne is falling in love with the gorgeous female mayor of Gotham. Wayne, who is Luthor's direct business rival, wonders about his suspicious activities. In his disguise as Batman, he finds out that the machines are controlled by a satellite with kryptonite. As Lex starts to sense that Batman is on to his plan, he clones the Joker to distract him. While Superman eventually comes into the story and the climax ensues to stop the machines from invading Gotham. Now, if it was between those two storylines, uh, the first one about Robin dying, Batman going to seclusion, Batman marrying someone, Joker killing her, I really wouldn't like that. I th would think that's really stupid. I'd actually prefer the, the second storyline, although I'm not completely sold on it, I'd actually prefer the second one where Lex Luthor creates the the crazy robots that end up trying to take over the world you know they don't say it but I'm sure that's probably what it's similar to and takes them to the world fair because then it's just like Clark Kent and Batman just somehow end up linking up together it's not so uh, you know Superman didn't kill Joker so Batman's pissed off at him and wants to take revenge on him it's not like that it's actually believable the way that this the, the 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 second one is written, so I actually think that would be kind of a better one. So, so um, basically, basically after, after that, that the, the the year one, uh, the okay, so the Batman the the film adaptation to this or well the one I was talking about earlier, the Batman Year One, was basically written. It was it was a film based on Batman Year One by Frank Miller. Uh, it was supposed to be directed by Darren. Aronofsky. Uh, he was kind of he was more known for doing the movie Pi, and later on he did uh, Requiem for a Dream. But the reason why this one ended up falling through was because it never got the green light because they found it to be way too violent. Um, basically, what ended up happening was that. Arrow, Arrow, I don't even know. I'm just going to call him Darren because I can't say his last name. He wanted to adapt The Dark Knight Returns, and Warner Brothers was like, no, we'd rather you do 
Batman Year One. Uh, he wanted to make, and because he wanted Dark Knight's Returns, he thought about doing Clint Eastwood as the aging Batman and filming in Tokyo. Um, that didn't end up working because Darren ended up changing his mind. Well, we don't know if he changed his mind or if the studio changed his mind, but then they ended up wanting to do Year One. Um, Darren ended up going and doing Requiem for a Dream while Warner Brothers was still hesitant to do Year One because they were trying they they were still trying to figure out which one they were gonna do. This was around the same time they were talking about doing Batman Beyond the live action movie and Batman Dark Knight because those fell apart. So what ended up happening was Darren ends up bringing in Frank Miller to help him write the script because they both uh, collaborated on the adaption of Ronin, uh, starring Robert De Niro. So, Year One was inspired to be a 1970s crime drama, kind of like Taxi Driver, French Connection, Serpico, Death Wish. And, but he wanted to bring, Darren wanted to bring like an independent gorilla flavor to it. So kind of like, uh, well, you know, just, just as it is. But the problem was that the movie didn't get greenlighted because of all the violence, it was probably going to get an R rating, and Warner Brothers was was not real keen on that because it wouldn't appeal to children. So then he, the director comes up with the idea where they could make two separate films, one where you know one where it's the R rated one, but it wouldn't require a very large budget at all, and the second to be one that could you know, favor a family-friendly audience. Um, and Warner Brothers didn't like that idea at all. Then what ended up happening was they enlisted... Warner Brothers pretty much didn't do anything with that Darren Arofinsky or whatever his name is anymore. And then they ended up going for... They ended up enlisting the Wachowski brothers, which, you know, they're, they're known for the Matrix. But... They didn't. They didn't end up going for it either. Then, uh, in two thousand two, Joss Whedon pitched an origin story that Warner Brothers liked, but he claims that Warner Brothers didn't like the idea at all. Um, so the basic plot line for Batman Year One was, and this was written by Frank Miller. After the death of his after the death of his parents, young Bruce Wayne remains lost on the street and is eventually taken in by Big Al, owner of a auto repair shop, with his son Little Al. Driven by a desire for vengeance towards a manifest destiny of which he is only dimly aware, young Bruce toils day and night in the shop, watching the comings and goings of hookers, pimps, and corrupt police officers across the street to a cat house. We are introduced to Detective James Gordon as he struggles with cr the corruption he finds epidemic among Gotham City police officers of all ranks. Bruce's first act of vigilante is to confront a dirty cop named Campbell as he accosts Mr. Selina in the, in the cat house, but Campbell ends up dead and Bruce narrowly escapes being blamed. Realizing that he needs to operate with more me methodology, he initially dons a cape and a hockey, hockey mask. However, Bruce soon evolves a more stylized costume to both form 
and function, acquires a variety of makeshift gadgets and weapons, and reconfigures a black Lincoln Continental to a makeshift Batmobile. In his new disguise of as the Batman, Bruce Wayne wages war on criminals from street level to the highest echelons, working all the way up to the police commissioner Loeb and Mayor Noon, even as the executors of the Wayne estate search for their missing heir. In the end, Bruce accepts his dual destiny as heir of the Wayne fortune and the city's savior, and Gordon comes to accept that. While he may not agree with the Batman, when I say the Batman, it's because it's the Bat, B-A-T, dash, man, method, he can't argue with the results. No casting ever took place for the, well, okay, so that ends the plot. I'm not really liking that plot whatsoever. I'm kind of glad uh, that didn't happen because that, the fact that Bruce Wayne is taken in by an auto repair shop person and lives there, that doesn't follow anything in the comics. And when I read this, I kind of lost a little respect for Frank Miller writing this because, yes, this would be a good story in itself, but this could not be a good story if it was linked to actually the Batman, or to Batman, because this doesn't follow hardly anything at all having to do with the Bat Batman. It doesn't follow the comics at all, and I'm just kind of disappointed how Frank Miller decided to go this way. I just wish he would have went somewhere else, which, you know, he ends up going and helping with uh, Batman Begins, but... It would just be very disappointing if this was if Warner Brothers for some reason decided to actually go with this. Um, this movie, no casting ever took place, uh, though Val Kilmer, Ben Affleck, Keanu Reeves, and Christian Bale all extra expressed interest for the role of Batman. Kilmer said he would only do it if it was more humorous, while Bale cited as the role uh, cited the role as a dream come true. His agent told MovieHole.net that Bale had been approached for a number of Batman projects, including Year One. He stated that Bale preferred the Year One version because the script was more unique. Bale would, of course, become Batman in Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins. And then from there, that's how what ends up happening is from there we go to Batman Begins and how that ended up you know, playing out. And thank the Lord that this crazy it ended up going this way because Batman Begins in my opinion and I, I know I've said this numerous times a great great interpretation of not only Batman and as a person but an interpretation of the comics and the storyline that comes from the comics you know every once in a while a writer comes around in the comics and wants to change some things around but this movie really it took numerous different parts of of the storylines and combine them all together to make it really work and not just work as if uh like you know uh fantastic four where cosmic rays come down and give these people powers but really make it believable where this could be a real story if the comics didn't exist and they just wanted to make this movie this would be a good movie in itself because the idea that someone becoming a vigilante hero who dresses up in a costume this makes it believable that this movie really makes it make sense so um basically um one one little side note i i one well this is this is gonna be the last thing 
that that's the end of the topic of discussion. But I just wanted to make this one little quick th uh, side note. I was looking at uh, the box office performance for the Batman movies, and I didn't know this, but Batman Begins actually didn't even make as much as Batman the 1989 version, and I had I didn't know that at all. And when I read when I saw this. Uh, in the United States, Batman made a total of $251 million. Okay. Batman Begins made 205 And in the worldwide, <clears throat> it, was a, uh, it was a little closer of a difference, but world, or not worldwide, but outside the U.S., Batman 1989 made $160 million, and Batman Begins made 166 So it actually made more money outside of the United States but what I didn't I had no idea that Batman Begins didn't even make more money I actually thought it was not not only the best movie but I actually thought that the public thought that it was a better movie in in whole and would show that by going to see it and giving it a bigger box office revenue so when the Dark Knight comes out I really hope that the Dark Knight surpasses not not only Batman Begins, but also the Batman from 1989 in worldwide box office revenue, so that it's really way up there. Like I said, I really think The Dark Knight is going to be the number one movie of the summer. There's really nothing to compare. You've got the Indiana Jones and Iron Man, which I could see Indiana Jones just because of the legacy from the past ones. I can see that being some kind of competition, but the fact that they come out in May makes me think that there's no way they're gonna last. There's no way that movie's gonna last until July, when ba uh, the Dark Knight comes out. Specifically, because in between that, there's also the uh, the Iron Man movie, which Indiana Jones kind of goes with the same type of uh, the same uh, demographics of people that Iron Man would go see, or that 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 would that. They goes for the same demographics demographics that would see Iron Man. So because of that, I really don't see how Indiana Jones would end up lasting. Those two are going to compete too much, just like last year with, uh, you know, the Shrek, the Shrek Three, uh, Spider Man Three, and Pirate Three. Yes, they all made, you know, a, a respectively enough money. Each one of them, but they could have done even better if they didn't. They weren't competing. By the time July rolls around, there's not going to be anything to compete. If you wanted to see Iron Man, you saw it in May. You're not going to go see it in July. The Dark Knight, when that comes out, that's really the only thing that's coming out even in July. Nobody even wants to really even comp even remotely compete with that movie because of all the hype about it. So, I can see that movie being number one for the week that it comes out, obviously. As well as, at least, I'm gonna you know I'm gonna go on the record of saying I'm gonna say at least four to six weeks after that, because by the looks of what's coming out in those next six weeks, there's nothing. So I'm really hoping that their box office revenue can really jump way up there and get more than the Batman 1989, just so we can kind of. Show Warner Brothers how dedicated the Batman, you, you know, the the Batman fan community really is to these movies. Because 
if the Dark Knight is anything like Batman Begins, which I really think it's going to be better, we need to show Warner Brothers, hey, we really do support these Batman films you're making, and this is what we like. We don't like Batman and Robin. We like this. Down-to-earth, realism, gritty, dark Batman stories. This is what we like. Keep giving us what we like. Because that's the only way I can see it happening. Because the last thing I want is... Hopefully, as you know, as I reported the last time, the last episode, Batman, uh, Christopher Nolan is contracted for one more. So hopefully he does at least one more, and then after that, let's just hope that Warner Brothers has gotten the clue in their minds that this is what we want. We don't want something like Batman and Robin, where it's nothing like the comics. We don't want Batman 1989, which is so dark and doesn't follow the comics completely we want something that tries to follow the comics as as well as it possibly can and still make it a good story so i'm really hoping that's what happens so all right um well let's just jump into what we're going to do next time next time hopefully we get the Batman Confidential number 12, so I can finally do a review for that. We're also going to do Batman Strikes 41, Green Arrow Black Canary number 4, Nightwing 140, Birds of Prey 114, Catwoman 75, and Robin 170. All those are going to be released the 9th, we're all released the 9th through the 16th, and by the next episode I should have all of those so we can do the review on those. Of course, we'll be doing movie news, TV news if we have any book news. If I can find out anything about the the toy fi or the action figures at the that if there's any pictures put out at the toy fair, if it's before the next episode, we'll do that. Like I said, the reviews and forgotten villain as well as topic of discussion. And like I've always said, let me know how I'm doing. Go to Batman Universe Podcast at yahoo.com. Email me. Let me know not only how I'm doing, but what you want to hear about. Uh, I know that the stuff that I'm interested in telling everybody isn't what you necessarily are interested in learning. Or not learning, but hearing about. So, just let me know what you want to hear about. If you, Like I said, Forgotten Villain, Topic of Discussion. It's always up in the air until, you know, a couple days before. So I can start, in the night a couple days, but like a week before, so I can start doing research on it. So... Let me know what you want to hear, and like I've always said, I will do the research and let you know about what I find. Uh, other than that, this has been the Batman Universe Podcast, Episode 2. I hope you enjoyed. See you next time.